Welcome to Reclaim Your Life with Kate, the podcast where we dive deep into the roller coaster world of motherhood and tackle the universal struggles that every mom faces. I'm your host, Kate O'Rourke. I'm a certified life coach, school psychologist, and a single mom to two boys, and I'm so happy you're here. Whether you're mama, mommy, mom, or bruh, I'm here to help you ditch the shoulds and guilt to find presence and joy, because being a mom doesn't have to feel this hard. From the messy house to the missed soccer game, from the forgotten science project to the self-care you desperately need but often neglect, we will unpack it all while filling up your toolbox with practical strategies to manage your stress and overwhelm, reclaim your confidence, and enjoy your life. So hit the follow button, press play, and let's navigate the twists and turns of motherhood together so we can be stronger, wiser, more present, and guilt-free. Let's go. listening to episode number 64, the one where we learn how to like our teenagers. With all joking aside, I sit down with my friend, uh, Megan, who is also a single mom. She has three kids, 15, 12, and 10, and a -a Bernadoodle named Wrigley. Um, So we chat about just how to navigate life with teens, uh, developmental phases that they go through, and how challenging that can be. Um, Obviously, we love our teenagers, but Sometimes we may not like them as much as we wish we did, right? So uh, we have a great conversation about different um, just approaches to take with teenagers, different viewpoints, and some tips and tricks to navigate this, what can sometimes be a difficult phase. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Megan Hemmer. All right, welcome to the Reclaim Your Life with Kate podcast. This is episode 64, and this is my interview with Megan Hemmer. So Megan is a full-time single mom of three humans, ages 14, 12, and 10, and a Bernadoodle named Wrigley, which is why I love her, because I have a Bernadoodle. (laughs) Um, She coaches parents who want better relationships with their teens. She loves pure bar, being in the sun, traveling, taking great photos of her kids, and making dang good food, and she also loves to eat it. She loves talking about real life, how little experiences that have helped shape and change her for the better. And sometimes all it takes is a tiny thought shift to change your experience in a huge way. So welcome, Megan. Um, So Megan and I, yeah, Megan and I uh, found each other through coaching. Obviously, we're both life coaches and um, we kind of connected on some different things. And I thought it would be great to have you on. Uh, We talked about some different topics and the topic that we decided on was how to like your teenager. (laughs) Yes. So obviously we both have teenagers, so we're right in the, you know, in the thick of it. And we're obviously joking. We love our children, but there are some moments and phases that maybe don't seem as fun as others. (laughs) Hey. Right. So I think, um, yeah, we're kind of right, right in it. So what do you think in this stage when they're teenagers um, can make it kind of difficult to feel as connected with them as maybe we want to? What's kind of going on in these stages and phases that you see? So one thing that I see a lot in my own life and coaching other parents is that our kids are making choices that we just don't get. And we think, oh my gosh, will you just, you know, this is a terrible idea. You shouldn't do this. You should do that. You know, all of these other things where it's like, 
as if we have control over anything that they do. Yeah. So a little bit of um, probably frustration on the parents' part that they're maybe not taking this amazing advice that we want to give. Right. right? Or they're almost seeming to do the exact opposite just to spite us. Right. I think I noticed too, I noticed big reactions to things Mm -hmm. that maybe weren't as big of a deal earlier, you know, when they were younger, um, you know, you probably start to see some pulling away at this point, right? They're, they're, you know, they're moving towards independence, uh, which is hard for us that have taken care of them for, you know, 13 years. Right. <laughs> it's hard to see that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just some things that make it, you know, uh, I know I've heard some moms describe it like overnight, right? Like they had an elementary school uh, kid and then overnight they were a teenager and everything changed. I've noticed a little bit slower of a progression, like into those phases. What's your experience been with that? Um, It's dependent on the kid, mm-hmm. really. Um, And with my oldest, who actually will turn 16 next month, uh, next week, he is such a good kid that when we have little interactions that would seem like nothing, it's almost like it's a bigger deal because it doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it seems to affect me more mm-hmm. when they happen. Like I can give you a silly example from yesterday. He had school off uh, for the holiday, but still had cross country practice in the morning and he didn't want to go. And I said, no, you need to go. You know, we've been getting these emails from coaches saying that it's really important for everybody to go. You know, I had, I had all my reasons that I wanted him to go. And so he went and he didn't really talk to me in the car on the way there. And for some people that happens all the time. And they're like, oh yeah, whatever. Like they're just being them. But for him, I was in my head the whole time. Like, oh my gosh. Um, maybe I didn't do the right thing and maybe I should have just let him stay home or like, oh, I don't want him to be annoyed at me. And, and maybe I should explain again why it's important that he goes, you know, and I noticed myself Mm -hmm. for like the whole drive thinking about this. And I just had to take a step back and think it's fine. (laughs) Right. Right. Both of us are fine. Right. It's fine if he's annoyed. It's fine if I make a choice he doesn't like. It's fine. Like, it's all fine. Yeah, no, I really relate to that because you do. You kind of go, um, you go to what did I do wrong, right? And I think uh, a lot of times moms, that guilt sets in, the guilt that we just create in our own brain. Um, But that guilt sets in of like, I didn't do the right thing. I didn't make the perfect choice. I didn't say the right thing to him so that he wouldn't be annoyed, right? Or I didn't explain myself well enough (laughs) as to why he should have done it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think you really made a good point too, that you were like, it's fine if he's annoyed, right? I think we do often forget that, right? Like that's okay if they're annoyed, (laughs) right? And they do, I think, move on a lot quicker than we do. Sometimes I feel like I have whiplash, like a feeling or a moment, And I'm still thinking about it hours later and they've completely moved on and don't even remember that it happened. (laughs) Yeah. I think another, um, another, another part that makes it challenging to really enjoy and like our teenagers is just the hormones. 
and all the things that go along with that, we forget. And, and again, like if we just take a step back and be like, think about what is actually happening in their body and in their minds, mm-hmm. it's a lot. So that really leads us into, I think you have some great points that we talked about. Let's go through them. I think we have about six points that we can talk about just, you know, advice, guidance for how to make this phase a little bit more likable, <laughs> get through it a little bit more unscathed. Yeah. What would um, some of your guidance be for moms with teenagers? Tonight, I was talking to my kids about recording this episode and um, I told them what the title was of it. And my 11 year old said, Oh, yeah, you know, that that's good. Because probably not everybody likes their teenagers. (laughs) And I said, Well, yeah. And and what do you think? What do you think a parent should do to like their teenager more? And she thought for a second, and she said, Well, I think that maybe parents should be more patient. And also, stop thinking that their kids are annoying. And I thought that was interesting that she said it like that because that's what all of what we're going to talk about tonight boils down to is things that we can control. And even the way that she said it, the parents should stop thinking that their kids are annoying. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And And so even she recognizes on some Mm -hmm. level, well, if you change the way you're thinking about it, Mm -hmm. it might not be so challenging. She's very wise. (laughs) That's great. You know, what we're going to talk about tonight is all things that we can do that don't require our teenagers to change at all, as if there's another choice. Right. Right. But we totally think there is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, when you say it, it's so obvious. It's not in the moment uh, when we're our, whatever our reaction is, how we show up to different situations is totally out of thinking that we can change what they're doing or saying right. or how they're being. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. Change or control or manipulate. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. say those words in a, you know, an unhealthy or an abusive way, but, right, right. but really like, that's what we're trying to do mm-hmm. is to, you know, out of the best of intentions to change the outcomes and change the results of our kids mm-hmm. because absolutely. we think we know better. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So let's get into it. Um, yeah. Talk about all the ways that, you know, we can, um, change what we're doing, how we're thinking, how we're showing up to have at least better interactions. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So I think the first thing that, uh, we could talk about is to really be okay with who, how, and where our teenagers are right now. And for some of us, it's like we're we're so deep in the achievement culture mm-hmm. that it this idea gets masked in potential and in goals and it, you know, like what's the next step? What are you working on now? And, and what's the, you know, what's your end goal? And, and where do you see yourself in two years? And even, you know, all these, 
these these ways that we look to the future, which is great, but that leaves us wanting something different right now. If we are looking at our teenagers that way, it just doesn't serve us because they are who they are. They are where they are. They are how they are. What would, what do we think is going to be so different if our teenagers are different? And usually the answer to that really at the, at its core is that we will be less uncomfortable. Yes, totally, totally. And I think, you know, the fact that you even called it achievement culture is just so accurate. So I also work in the schools as a school psychologist. Mm -hmm. And so it's still very much um, just the way that the education system is, right? It's very driven by achievement and where are you going to go to school and what are you going to study? And, uh, you know, and so it's hard to not get wrapped up in that. Um, And I think we have sort of, you know, as parents, we have kind of these preconceived notions or we compare them to how we were at that age, you know, what our grades were, what we were doing. Um, and we, I think what's underlying it, and let me know what your thoughts are, but I think we think there's a perfect way to raise them, right? And if a child is not meeting a certain goal or having certain grades or having a certain number of friends or getting on the sports team or whatever it is, we tend to make that mean that we didn't raise them the right way. We didn't do it right. Right. Do you feel like that comes up? I do. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the perfect segue into what I would say is the second uh, little tidbit here. And that is to let go of the idea that we know what their life should look like. Because we don't. It's just a made up story in our head. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Totally. And, and I mean, if you look back on your life, how many things worked out or went exactly how you thought they were going to Right. Very little. Yeah. Right. right. And that's a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. because we, you know, for the most part, the things that don't go the way that we think they're going to go are the ones that make us into who we are in the best way. And it's like, we're when we have this idea in our head about what our teenagers' lives should look like and, you know, what what are the classes that they should take to get them into this school that we think they should go to to do this job that, you know, we think they're perfect for and to be this kind of a friend or meet this kind of a person and, you know, do this so that they're ready for their, you know, partner in life at some point, you know, like there's no end to how we imagine our kids' lives going. And like the deeper that we get into that, the more possibility for disappointment there will be. Mm -hmm. And the less joy that we're able to see when their lives turn out exactly how they're supposed to. Yeah. And along those lines of um, not necessarily being able to to notice the joy or, you know, um, be aware of it. It's just presence really, right. We're not present into what's truly going on with them right now, what they're enjoying right now, what characteristics we do, um, 
admire in them and are are happy to see in them, right? We're just so focused on all of the kind of outside external factors rather than really focusing on who they are, how they show up in the world, what kind of friend are they? Um, are they able to problem solve? Are they resilient, right? These are the things we don't really talk about focusing on, right? It's sort of, yeah, all those external achievements and, you know, things we've kind of mentioned so far. Yeah. And, and along those lines too, when we allow ourselves to not know what their lives should look like, it opens us up to the beauty and to to really loving and supporting them in the way that they're asking either vocally or not but we're you know we're all asking for things from of each other in relationships and when we've decided we know what everything should be like we completely close off that curiosity and the openness to really even be aware or recognize what it is that they want and need, don't even know how to ask for it. Or they don't want to ask for it because they're also very good at reading us and they know what it is that we want for them. So there's a really beautiful thing that can happen when we allow for the truth that we don't know what their life should look like. Yeah. And that reminds me of something I've talked about on here before, this idea of bids for connection, Mm -hmm. um, which really comes out of like romantic relationships, but can very much be applied to any relationship and our our kids. And it just got me thinking of like, um, you know, if you're so focused, like I think my youngest, right? Like I want to get the take home folder out of the backpack. I want to see what papers I need to look at her in there. I want to see what was on his behavior chart. What do I need to have for tomorrow? Right. And sometimes he just wants to be telling me a story that happened or what they did in gym class. And I'm so focused on like, I got to do this. A good mom would have everything out of the folder, would have everything organized for the next day. A good kid would make sure his homework is done and put in the, you know, and I maybe not listening to the story that he's trying to tell me about what they did in gym class. Right. So again, it's, you know, presence, you know, what are you focusing on? But when they're teenagers, it's a little bit different when they're younger. When they're teenagers, they're not falling for that. Like, right? like they know what you're doing. They know whether you're going to uh, receive that bid for connection or not. And they're just going to stop putting them out there if, you know, those bids aren't, aren't received and aren't paid attention to. Right. And that's the last thing we want. Cause right. Cause they're already kind of being independent, maybe not sharing as much as they used to. Um, mm-hmm. So we want to take every bid that we we see, you know, that attempt to connect from them, whatever that looks like. We want to, you know, respect and honor all of those bids and try to connect with them. My next little piece of advice would be to listen to hear and not to respond. And that can be very challenging, especially when we feel like we have a responsibility for this person. And, you know, if we think about what is a good mom, you know, a lot of us would say, well, you know, I'll be, I'll be a successful and a good mom if I 
if I, you know, provide all the opportunities for my child that I think that they deserve, or if I, you know, if I teach them everything that they need to be a successful person in the world. And if I, you know, we've got this whole long list. So when, when our teenagers come to us and tell us something, we're already trying to problem solve for it. Or we're already trying to, you know, think of what, do, you know, what do I do in response to what they're telling me or what's, you know, all of these things. It's so hard for us to just hear something and just let it be there. But most of the time, that's all we want as adults as well. We just want that person who can just listen to us and validate us and just hear what we're saying. And a magical thing happens most of the time, which, you know, you and I as coaches see a lot of this where the person who is talking about something, they figure out exactly how to feel, what to do, how to solve this problem, how to, you know, whatever they figure it out. They don't need to be told Mm -hmm. or responded to. There's just a huge amount of value in just being heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think to add on to that, like you said, being told what to do. um, So not only are they not validated when we're kind of always finding our response or listening for our response or how we can react to whatever it is they're, they're saying or doing, but it also um, doesn't, yeah, it doesn't give them that space to problem solve for themselves. So they don't have that self-trust. They don't believe in themselves that they're going to be able to handle the next difficult thing that happens because we jumped in. Right. We, and we think that that is being a good mom, right? That's being supportive. That's being helpful. But in fact, we're kind of taking that agency away from them and, um, you know, not giving them the space to develop those skills that are just so important in life. And I, and, and I want to say, and I'm sure this goes for you too. This is not me saying that I do these things all the time and I do them the right way. Right. We can talk about these because we've not done them. (laughs) <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Um, so you just, you figure it out and you, you try better next time. Right. And you, you, you learn from it, but um, huh. yeah, but I, I very much relate to listening to respond. How am I going to help? What am I going to suggest? You know, all of that for sure. Right. And, and something that you just said reminded me of something that I think is so valuable and something that we are afraid to do as parents of teenagers, especially. And that is to admit to ourselves and to our teenagers that we're not doing it right all the time or ever, or, you know, like we are also figuring it out. And there are times when I go to my kids and I say, I don't think I handled that very well. I'm sorry. Here's what I wish I would have said. Or here's what I really think that you needed. And I didn't give that to you. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry. And I am trying and I love you. And 
I have confidence in you and your abilities and, you know, we're going to figure this out together or like, you know, things like that. It's, Mm -hmm. it's like, we're afraid to show our vulnerability Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. we're supposed to be the ones who have it figured out. Right. And we're right. supposed to be so confident all the time. And, you know, what does it mean about us if we don't know how to interact with our teenagers all the time? Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one I've had to overcome. Um, and I don't I, I definitely need to still work on it. But yes, I think that there's a perfect mom that I'm, you know, I'm trying to be, and I don't ever let that, I don't, you're letting them see you as being human, right? You're letting them see you as like, I don't know what we should do. (laughs) Like, I don't have the answers either. We'll figure it out together. And I love that you said, say it that way. I mean, just like, Hey, I don't know, but I'm on your team. Right. But I think, yeah, I can definitely get caught up in that. Well, I'm supposed to have the answers. I'm, I'm the parent. They're looking to me. If I don't know what to do, then they're going to feel like they can't trust me or they, you know, you just tell yourself all of these things. Right. And, um, I, yeah, I definitely get caught up in that. Oh no, I'm the one that's supposed to have it all figured out and know all the answers. So I, Yeah. 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 And I think letting our teenagers know that we don't have it all figured out and don't know what to do sometimes or mm-hmm. how to be or, you know, all of those, it's kind of a backwards way of instilling a confidence in them mm-hmm. as well. Like, well, mom doesn't know and she's asking me, okay, maybe I actually might know rather than just being, uh, you know, being in the role of a kid all the time. Right. I have a voice. I can contribute. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I do have valuable life experience and I am taking ownership of what's, what's going on in my life and, you know, like listening to that and, and tapping into their own uh, you know, budding maturity. Yeah, absolutely. I try to tell the boys, uh, all the time I'll I'll say, I can't be your brain for you. (laughs) Right. Like my one, he needed reminded of something. And I was like, how are you going to remember to do this thing? He's like, why can't you just tell me what's (laughs) like, no. And so he ended up writing a sticky note for himself, right. To remember later, but it was like, it's so hard. Cause I want to just jump in and be like, Hey, why don't you write yourself a sticky note? Put, put this on it. Right. You want to just tell them what to do. Um, but that gives them, yeah, the power to realize that they can figure it out for themselves. And let's be honest, there are plenty of times that I do just tell people what to do. Absolutely. Sometimes they listen and sometimes they don't. Right. Right. We try. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. There's this phrase and I'm never going to, I'm never going to remember it, but it's something about parenting teenagers. And it's just this idea that you end up being their lighthouse, but it was, do you know this phrase or like, I'll have to find it, but it's this idea of that. You are, you shift into just guiding them, right. Where you're really pulling back. You're not driving the boat anymore. You are there to guide them and to, you know, have safe Harbor for them when they need it, but you're letting them, you know, take the initiative and, and, and go on their own. And that's hard to do. (laughs) Yeah, it is hard to do, but also it's a really empowering 
thing to think about mm-hmm. being a lighthouse for your kids, because then it's just your responsibility is to just be there and be, be the light that they know where it is mm-hmm. and that they can mm-hmm. see. And do you notice this with yourself? So when I allow myself to just kind of be like, I'm not responsible for your feelings. You're upset. You can be upset or I annoyed you. You're frustrated with me. You can be frustrated with me. When I take that pressure off of me needing to fix it or needing to say the perfect thing or have the the best strategy, um, I'm, I show up better because I'm calmer, right? I'm more regulated when I'm not putting that stress of perfection and mom guilt on me then I show up better to them in that moment anyway, right? Rather than, because there's no, you know, thinking that there's a perfect way to do it. I actually end up showing up more how I want to when I take the pressure off. Does that make sense? Oh, do you know for what sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're focusing on what is in our control mm-hmm. rather than this illusion of thinking that we have to like fix everything for somebody else. Mm-hmm. which, you know, again, doesn't work. Right. So it kind of pushes us into this weird version of ourselves. Right. Right. Yeah. I just think, yeah, without that pressure, like, I'm just thinking of like an example, let's say that they, you know, have a fight with a friend, right. Mm-hmm. Um, When you take the pressure off of you having to have the right answer or the best way that they should handle it or what they should say to this friend or how they should respond, when you take that pressure off and you just say, well, what do you think? Right. And put it back on them. You're right. They, if you just let them talk and you listen to hear, they will problem solve. They will come up with a way to handle that situation. And then again, you're showing up more regulated and calm because you don't have that pressure on yourself. Yeah. And, and I think that there definitely is space to, you know, and, and when, when I say, or when we talk about listening to hear and not to respond, that doesn't mean literally like, don't say anything at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it is very appropriate to share some of your own experiences, you know, or like if it, you know, take the example of having a fight with a friend or, you know, and the kid doesn't mm-hmm. know what to do. Sometimes we can say just very little and it helps them just think about it a little bit differently mm-hmm. usually, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, even just a question of like, Oh gosh, you know, that really, that's too bad. It doesn't sound like that friend, you know, of yours. I wonder what's going on for them in their lives mm-hmm. and just being a more a curious, uh, you know, bounce off place rather than, you know, oh gosh, that sounds hard. Or, you know, like sometimes we do want a little bit more than silence. When we do allow ourselves to just hear and be quiet in our own head, that's when we can show up from that higher, most authentic place, Mm -hmm. you know, where it might sound, might feel really appropriate to share something with or, you know, or sometimes it really is just be quiet and just sit there next mm-hmm. to her. Right. Yeah. And you, I think, you know, you bringing up curiosity is so huge because I think it's really easy to judge teenagers, right? And when we're being curious, we can't be 
judgmental. Um, and it, it is, it's easy to judge who they're friends with, you know, what they choose to wear, <laughs> what music they listen to. Right. Um, and if you're, yeah, if you're just in curiosity, you're not going to be judging them or saying, well, I never liked that friend anyway. Good. I'm glad you had a fight. <laughs> right? Or, you know, other things that come up. Um, if you're, you know, in that place of just asking questions or just listening, you're not going to go to that judgmental place. Let's see the next thing. The next thing that I find myself trying to do regularly is, and, and I, I literally visualize this in my head, mm-hmm. be having a tug of war rope with my teenager and me just letting go of the rope because what is the harm in that? Mm-hmm. Especially if we're talking about wanting to have a better relationship with them, why is it a problem for us to just drop the rope? Mm-hmm. And let them think what they think or, right. or, you know, or say what they're going to say or be how they're going to be mm-hmm. like, okay, just drop the rope. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to start doing that visualizing. I think that's a great way to think about it um, because I've done both, right? I've dropped the rope. And I have also tugged very hard on that rope and you can tell the difference. It doesn't, you know, one feels much better than the other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good visual. And it's like almost all the time, the reason we don't want to drop the rope and why we're tugging so hard is because again, we're stuck in this idea of what the perfect mom should be like. Mm-hmm. And what she should say or what she should do or how she's got to prove to her kid that this is the way to be. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work. Right. right. It doesn't work. And it is not good for our relationships with them. Right. Right. No. And of course, I'm not saying don't have any expectations or don't have consequences, but there's a difference between like dropping the rope mm-hmm. and just saying like, okay, whatever, whatever you want, however you want, you know, it's, everything's fine. We're, you know, it's not that. No, no. I mean, even, even a little, little thing like, you know, we've probably all heard some version of, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like to be me. You don't know what it's like to be a teenager right now. You don't know what it's like, you know, and they're right. 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 Of course they're right. (laughs) We aren't teenagers right now and we aren't them. Right. You know, but our instinct is to say something like, oh, I do know what it's like. I've been a teenager or I know where this goes or I, you know, and maybe we still think that in our head, but Mm -hmm. we can also allow for them being right. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, allowing them to have their feelings and allow, which is another, when you were talking about dropping the rope, like I can just think of times where I've said no to something, right? And then there's a a big feeling about that and not dropping the rope would be trying to convince them as to why that 
why your answer is appropriate and the right answer (laughs) and why they shouldn't get to do this thing or whatever it is. Yeah, Um, Dropping the rope would be just like, yeah, I get it. You're mad about it. Okay. And moving on. Right. Um, But then like, you know, yeah, not dropping the rope. If they're saying you don't get it, you don't understand. Right. Would be, I I do understand when I was your age, I had this, this, and Mm -hmm. this happen. Exactly. Um, But like dropping the the rope in that moment would be just, yeah, I I don't, I don't get it. You know, I don't understand right now. I can't really experience what you're experiencing right now. That's totally your experience to have. And it's, yeah, it's hard to do. Yeah, it is. It is, but it's really powerful Mm -hmm. when you can let yourself do it. Mm -hmm. Even just once every five times you feel it come up. And just feel the difference. Yeah. I'm definitely using that, the visual of dropping the rope. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, this next one that we're going to talk about has absolutely changed my experience as a mom. And that is to not let their problems be problems for you too. And and a really silly (laughs) example that I have of this Or, you know, or asking myself, like, why is this a problem for me? You know, would be another, another way to look at that. Mm -hmm. Um, I have one child who is by most people's definitions, not tidy at all. And her room, in my opinion, is a pigsty most of the time. Mm -hmm but it's how she likes it doesn't bother her at all. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those places where I was fighting about it all the time with her. Mm -hmm. And I just had to decide one day, this doesn't actually have to be a problem for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I completely, I just let it be how it was. And my relationship with her is better mm-hmm. because of it. I'm not expecting her to not be how she is. I'm not letting it mean anything about me. Right. Right. And like I, I'm a horrible you know, mom who right. doesn't make her clean up her room. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Or if I was a better mom, she would have a cleaner room and do what I've taught her to do. Or if I was a better mom, she would listen. Or Mm -hmm. if I, you know, all of these things Mm -hmm. that are just not true at all. And a painful story that doesn't serve me or her Mm -hmm. that it's like, it doesn't matter. That doesn't have to be a problem for me. Yeah. That's a great example. And that's a great question that we can ask ourselves is why is this a problem? Right? Like, yeah. And especially I think when you have patterns of it, right? Like you said, that it was, it was becoming a pattern where you were kind of constantly bickering about the room. That's yes. a pattern. And when you notice that, you can just take a step back and be like, okay, why is this a problem? And maybe it is. Maybe you come up with a reason that you do need right. to address, right? But a lot of times you might be like, well, I guess it's really not a problem. And then, right. yeah, repair the relationship. Yeah. 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 And, and related with that, you know, is, is in the same area, but, but like, you know, going back to not letting their problems be our problems as well. Like, let's say we have a teenager with pretty significant 
anxiety. If their anxiety is a problem for us, most likely it will cause us to feel anxious. Mm -hmm. And then we've got two anxious people trying to solve for anxiety, which doesn't really work very well, at least not nearly as much as if we can just allow for their anxiety and just let it be there and not be anxious about their anxiety. Right. Like, is that possible to have a teenager with anxiety and to not have their mom be anxious about that? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it could be a lot of things that fit in there, right? It's, it's, um, they, they're, you know, they don't do well in math. Um, they don't make the sports team or they're maybe not the best on the sports team. Uh, yeah, that could be the same for a lot of things. Don't make that your, make it a problem for you that then you're both stressed about the next game or the next math test or the next. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Right. Right. And again, we think like, oh, but that's what a good mom does is she's worried about her kid's anxiety. Well, maybe, but also it's not the only option. Right. It might feel a lot better to have at least one of us not anxious. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Because especially in that example, that just feeds off of each other. Yeah. Right. It was exactly the same as like, you know, kid makes the, makes the basketball team, but doesn't play very Mm -hmm. much during Mm -hmm. the season, you know, then like, if that's not a problem for us, we aren't, you know, talking to the other parents about it and, you know, finding lots of evidence how there are certain kids who are favored on the team, or, you know, Mm -hmm. we're not emailing the coaches and demanding that everybody get equal playing time or, you know, all of these things Mm -hmm. that really our teenagers don't want us to do. Right. Right. And they actually may not have a problem with not playing very much. Right. That's the other question to check in with yourself. Is it, is it even a problem for them? (laughs) Not only is it a problem for me, but like, he may not care. (laughs) He made the team. He gets, you know, right. Yeah. But even if they do care, generally like the meddling that we do as a result of making it a problem for us doesn't help anybody at all. Yeah. So I think the common theme in a lot of this, right, is lots of check-ins with yourself. What can you control? What can't you control? What story are you telling yourself? Are you making a something, you know, making something a problem that doesn't need to be? Um, what, you know, what's your reaction uh, to different things? Are you, you know, coming from a place of curiosity rather than maybe judgment or expectation? Um, so yeah, like you said at the beginning, it's all, it, it can kind of all come from, from us. It kind of uh, starts and ends with us to have that better relationship because they are who they are. They, this, they're supposed to be like this. <laughs> I think yes. we do forget that teenagers don't have a fully developed brain yet, right? They're supposed to be like this. They're supposed to have right. ups and downs, <laughs> right. and big and, reactions to things. Yeah. Right. Like, and not just expecting the negative aspects that a lot of people talk about Mm -hmm. with parenting teenagers, but Mm -hmm. it can be so great. It can. They're so funny. Like you just really see their personality and sense of humor developing now. 
Yeah. Right? Like the sarcasm and just, yeah, it's yeah. very cool. Yeah. There yeah. is a possibility for a really awesome relationship definitely with our teenagers. Yeah. Well, these are great tips. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else we wanted to go over or that you wanted to add? Don't. Okay. Well, thank you. It was so great having you on. We will get through the teenage phase together, (laughs) liking it as much as possible. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, How can people find you Um, if they wanted to to follow you on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. So my Instagram is Megan Hammert Coaching. Great. Okay. Yeah. So go follow Megan. Um, And thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Kate. what flavor of mom guilt you have? Listen, mom guilt holds us back from being the mom that we want to be. So it's really important to gain insight into your unique mom guilt flavor. Understanding the root causes of your guilt is the first step toward letting go of it. I've created a quiz with just 10 simple questions. The results of the quiz let you know your unique flavor of mom guilt, and you'll get a simple but powerful tool from me to stop the mom guilt in its tracks. Just click the link in the show notes to get your quiz results, an amazing tool that you can begin using immediately to finally ditch the shoulds and let go of the guilt.